You deplore the demonstrations that are presently taking place, but I'm sorry that your statement did not express a similar concern for the conditions that brought the demonstrations into being. Go beyond the superficial social analysis who looks merely at the effects and grapple with the underlying causes. Let justice roll down like waters and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. You warmly commended keeping order and preventing violence. I don't believe you would if you had seen angry, violent dogs biting unarmed, nonviolent Negroes, if you would observe their ugly and inhumane treatment. Let justice roll down like waters and righteousness like a mighty stream. We will have to repent in this generation, not merely for the vitriolic words and actions of the bad people, but for the appalling silence of the good people. Let justice roll down like waters and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. We must come to see that human progress never rolls in on wheels of inevitability. It comes through the tireless efforts and persistent work of men willing to be co-workers with God. And without this hard work, time itself becomes an ally of the forces of social stagnation. Let justice roll down like waters and righteousness like a mighty stream. Martin Luther King Jr.'s letter from a Birmingham jail cell calls us to repentance. It calls for white Christians specifically to repent of the way that they have treated their black brothers and sisters. Not just brothers and sisters in the way we use the phrase to talk about fellow followers of Jesus or the way that we use it within the church, but rather brothers and sisters in the fact that we are all God's children, all of humanity. And some of the brothers and sisters have sold their siblings into literal slavery, 400 years worth of it. Like the sons of Jacob did to their brother, Joseph. But MLK is not talking to all white people in this letter, actually. In fact, this letter was written in response to white pastors who had cautioned MLK and other civil rights leaders to be more patient with their desire to see the racist systems of segregation in America dismantled. MLK has famously said that 11 a.m. on a Sunday morning is the most segregated hour in America. And when it comes to churches in like all throughout North America, Canada included, statistics tell us that nothing has changed. Reverend King's words in this letter, calling his white brothers and sisters to repent of their complicit, complicity in racist systems that oppress their black brothers and sisters are just as poignant today as they were almost 58 years ago when he first wrote them. I believe that Martin Luther King Jr. is standing in the same prophetic tradition as Jesus when he says, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Or when Jesus stood in the midst of his community and read the words from the prophet Isaiah, the spirit of the Lord, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. You cannot follow Jesus into the kingdom of heaven if you are not willing to be good news to the poor. 
repent. You cannot follow Jesus into the kingdom of heaven if you are not willing to be an agent of liberation to those in chains, repent. You cannot follow Jesus into the kingdom of heaven if you are not willing to help the blind see, repent. You cannot follow Jesus into the kingdom of heaven if you are not willing to work for the liberation of those who are oppressed, repent. This is ultimately what Martin Luther King's letter is saying then and now. Repent of the ways that you, that me, that we are complicit in the oppression of others. Repent. Repentance is the pathway to, to reconciliation. Repentance is liberation that orients us to follow Jesus into a future of reconciliation and restoration. Thanks, Carl, for sharing that. Um... I think it's it's really hard to talk about the um, idea of repentance when, for me personally, when I'm not sure also what what is repentance supposed to look like? Like how how do you define repentance? Is it just saying this is wrong? Um, is it saying this is wrong and doing something about it? Um, what what does repentance look like or how do you define repentance for either Carl or Glenn? Yeah. Well, like I, I know for me, like when I, when I think of repentance, um, you know, like even when I, when I, when I, when I wrote that, I, I thought I went to the gospels. Right. And so I, I can't help but think of like a story of like say Zacchaeus um, in, in, you know, the Zacchaeus, little Zacchaeus in the tree kind of thing. And when he's confronted with the, the good news of Jesus, when he's confronted with the kingdom of heaven, his response is 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 to completely change the direction of his life like you know again like the word metanoia the greek word used for repentance literally means to change one's mind like the change of mind um and the cloak i think it's in a, in a colloquial way it just means like the turn direction the turnabout face like 180 degrees kind of idea and you see um zacchaeus go from being an exploiter to not just giving back um the things that he took from people um, but I, I remember reading this one scholar, and I, I don't know where he got the math from, but it was like, like, like when like Zacchaeus basically does, he gives away his entire fortune um, in the same way that the, you know, the rich young ruler, when Jesus says, if you want to follow me, you got to give away everything you have to the poor, and then you can come follow me. Like Zacchaeus ends up doing that in order to follow Jesus. So there's, there's this, this idea of repentance um, was not just saying, okay, what I did was wrong. Like there was, there was the naming of what, what he did. Um, but he was liberated by the fact that he actually completely changed the orientation of his life in order to follow Jesus. Like, so that for me, at least is how I would begin to define repentance, like using, using that gospel narrative. Well, and I really like what you point to there because repentance is the unburdening yourself with the illicit gain. So there's no repentance, especially for Jewish culture, which was about the restoring of a relationship. It, it's a shallow repentance. If you say, I'm so sorry that I burnt your house down and stole all your goods and kidnapped your family. We're good, right? Handshake. Like that, that doesn't work so well. I know in this with MLK, we're a generation removed. So some of these, and I can say for myself, um, I can more readily see myself in certain parts of the letter than other people within the, the conversation. Um, however, we have to be able to name those points of, how has these systems been in play? And the Jewish tradition of forgiveness goes with the generational, that we have these generational cycles of, impoverish, of impoverishing, of taking, of uh, removing from some, 
that their whole festival of Jubilee was about. It's about the restoration and to bring people back into the community. And that's what I think it looks like to talk about repentance in such a large scale is recognizing some of these systemic ways that we've made sure to loot the same people all the time. So when we repent, as MLK said, and actually I'd say just follow what Carl said in it. You cannot follow Jesus into the kingdom, which always started with repent, the kingdom is near. Mm -hmm. If you are not good news for the oppressed, and this good news must be defined in a materialist, tangible reality, not just a sweet by and by, our good newsness is like he said with the Zacchaeus story. He turned to the people that he swindled and said, I'll give you means for living again. Yeah. And that to me is the act of repentance. It's recognizing the system and unburdening yourself with the ill-gotten gains that have made sure certain people always have to put more blood equity into the um, system to keep it running. I think it's it's really good to kind of hear different people's perspectives on how they define it. Um, and I, I'd probably be in line with both of what you and Glenn were saying. Um, I just think it's really interesting that in both of what you shared, there is some action piece tied to repentance that I can't just, you know, yell out into the void, I repent. And then that is like some check mark I can put on my list. Like I did it, I repented. And I remember growing up in the church and feeling like that's what repentance meant. It was just kind of, it's the I'm sorry, it's the apology. Um, but the apology isn't enough. And I think as you kind of, if you grew up in the church or you've been in the Christian life for some time, like I'm sure there are many times where you told God like, hey, I'm so sorry, I don't want to do this anymore. And then sure enough, a few months later, a few weeks later, days later, even you're doing the same thing over again. Um, there's no break in the cycle. And um, my question would be, is that real repentance? Um, and then in terms of what we're talking about in uh, speaking out against and fighting the oppression of others, like is saying, I'm sorry that happened to you enough to be uh, called repentance. If there's no sort of action or step of taking amends, that's also a part of that or some complete change within you that causes you to act differently. Um, so I think that's something that I always think about in repentance. Like if I don't see it in my actions, did I really repent? Like, even yeah. though I may feel some sort of regret about it, about the things that are happening, um, what are my actions actually saying about how I feel about the issue? Yeah, just in, in light of what you were saying there, Megan, um, I, I would just want to highlight the fact that an apology and repentance are not synonymous, right? Like an apology, it may be part of the process of repentance. And I think we have confused and conflated those ideas. It's like, I repented, I said, I'm sorry. And it's like, no, nah, that's not repentance. That, that has nothing, like you, you said, you're sorry, you apologize and that's great. But now repentance looks like doing the actual hard work that leads us to reconciliation. A friend of mine who's a counselor often says that within these similar systems, when you take it to the uh, micro scale of a single relationship, I'm sorry, usually is the bypass for dealing with the conflict that brought wounding. And when you said from your faith tradition, all I could see in my head is if everyone watches the office, when Mike has spent too much money and he said, you have to declare bankruptcy, but he doesn't know what it is. So kind of the same way of forgiveness, he walked out of his office, screamed into the office, I declare bankruptcy. 
and then he goes and sits at his desk and they yeah. walked in and was like mike you can't just declare it he goes but you said declare bankruptcy it's like yeah you can't just say bankruptcy he said no i declared it i didn't just say it and i think that's the way we um see repentance it's like no 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 i didn't just apologize i declared mm-hmm. and it loses some of that functionalness yeah. as opposed to what my friend who does counsel that counseling says it only matters to the degree that you sit in the tension and the pain to restore the broken part of the relationship if all you have is that one moment of sorry it pathologizes it and it turns into a shame cycle that you just internalize you act out against but starts controlling your narrative rather than giving you new endings for an old narrative yeah and I would say, like, like just to, to, to add to what Glenn said, like, it's, it's be that notion, like, in Canada, um, like, especially since Justin Trudeau has taken office, uh, they've, they've apologized numerous times to the Indigenous community for different things that, has hap- that have happened, but their practice towards the Indigenous community hasn't changed at all, right? Like, and so the oppression is still there. The things that they're apologizing for are pretty much still really there, but they're, this, we said we're sorry, we should all move on now, right? And I think at least like when I look at my brothers and sisters in America, um, like I can respect the fact that they refuse to apologize because they know that if they apologize, it means we have to do something about it, right? So I can respect that at least, right? Because they, 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 and that's there's a reason why there's no formal apology for slavery. There's no formal apology for the oppression of black people in America, because it's like, if we do that, then reparations actually is on the table, right? Like, and so I can respect like that the fact that they can at least put one on one together. Where in Canada, it's like, but we said we're sorry, we're sorry, we're sorry, we're sorry, and we do nothing about it. We actually make no changes. Um, and I, I would say so. Like in light of what Glenn is saying, like I like, I kind of feel like like Canada is 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 Michael like declaring bankruptcy. It's like I declared it. <laughs> we're good. Yeah. So I think that that aspect of making amends, I think is a super important part. And to, I think we have to marinate in that idea of that repentance is not just an apology. I think like we understand that in a, in sort of the vertical relationship with God, like we, we get that concept when we say like, I can't just say, I'm sorry, God, and keep doing the same things and call that repentance. But it's, interesting when we're talking about repentance like i think when we're talking about repentance against like injustices that have happened towards people um yes there is a part of that that's like okay i'm repenting to god for what i've done to others but there's also this horizontal level of i'm repenting to others like i'm repenting to you as my brother and sister i'm repenting to you as a human being that has been consistently dehumanized Um, and I think it's in the horizontal relationships that the repentance kind of, it fails. Like I don't, I haven't heard it in said in the church that like, we have a responsibility to repent to one another. It's always just, you know, repent to God so you can avoid, um, separation from him, avoid the fire and the brimstone and avoid all those things, but not actually thinking about, okay, I have as a person who is a representative of God, I have a responsibility to um, my fellow human being. And when those responsibilities fail, I I need to repent to them as well. Like they deserve yeah. my repentance, if that makes sense. 
Yeah, and, and correct, correct me if correct me if I'm wrong, because I'm, I'm I'm not remembering any specific instance within the New Testament where we're actually called to the act of repentance, and it's not connected to a community, right? Uh, so, like, correct me if I'm wrong, if if, if, I, if I'm if I'm just mis misremembering or anything like that. But like, we we hear the word repent, and we 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 make it about you know vertical about us and God. Um, but I think like we can't do the us and God if we don't do the us and you know the us and us type you know the you and me part of it first um because there, there's always that call to unity when there's that communal call to repentance and things like that or there's a commute there's a call to justice when there's that call to repentance um and again I, I i could i could be misremembering but i i don't remember any instance where it's like i repent to god no um throughout the only time you have repent to God as a, a, a matrix, Jesus says, repent and follow me. And as like James Dunn and N.T. Wright have both wrote at length to over explain um, that that act of repentance was saying that I, I'll stop doing it my way. I will put my trust in the one who's saying I have a better path forward. So that that statement of repentance, which we usually say I confess to God that I did something wrong was actually a changing of allegiance to I see a different way forward that I'll start following. So even mm -hmm. in that it's it's loosely linked, but always the divine in the community. Like Jake, like like uh, N.T. Wright would say, like it's participating in the putting things to rights. Mm -hmm. And I would also wonder with you guys, um, when we talk about something so large scale as repentance, and for a lot of people, when they hear it, especially um, for white people, is they'll say either I can't repent because, well, they'll they'll suddenly know how many generations they've been in the country or they don't understand social narratives. So one of the first what's one of the first like more micro repentances that can be done, one of those actions towards restoring to where we can say, OK, maybe you can't name the whole system. Maybe you can't. It's almost as futile as Michael yell, Michael Scott yelling, um, I declare bankruptcy. So what's that sm some small steps that can be moving towards here are acts of repentance for the building back of the community? It's hard for me to speak outside of the context of those who are connected to the church. Um, in those cases, it's a completely different framework of, of how you see the world and acts of repentance, I think, will look differently um, outside of that. Um, but I know just like uh, from a church perspective, uh, a small act of repentance, I think, could be in terms, especially what Martin Luther King is talking about, uh, about the church being silent, especially the moderate church and especially the white church. Um, I think there isn't a lot of reasons that I think churches can give for why they don't talk about racism and oppression from the pulpit, why it isn't a uh, bigger point of concern or a topic to talk about those things. Instead, you know, it's just sort of kind of shallow spiritual matters that we talk about or some sort of spiritual growth that's not really connected to changing how we like actually uh, talk and address other people in real life. Um, but I think one small way of repentance to actually like kind of do in some sense what we're doing here. We're talking about things that haven't been talked about or are not talked about across the board um, in mm -hmm. the church as a whole. 
like actually caring to talk about racism to the congregation, talk about oppression, talk about what the Bible says about those things, I think would be a really important uh, act of amends, an act of repentance, because the church has been silent on that for so long um, that we could spend a lot of time dedicating uh, time to talk about it, if that makes sense. I would say, like, what comes to mind for me, at least, I, I can't, I'm, I'm bad at remembering where passages are from, but this, like in, in the gospel where Jesus says that if you're at the altar and you remember that you, and you, and it comes to mind that a brother or sister has something against you, um, that you need to leave the altar and go reconcile with them before you return. And, and I always find it interesting because again, like it's, it's from the perspective of if you realize that they have something against you, not that you have something against them, it's if they have something against you, you need to go do the work of reconciliation. And I feel like the small step that we can begin to take is that, is like, just come, like bring to mind, like, like who are the people in my life? Like whether it has to do with, with, with like big narratives of oppression or things like that, or if it's like, I've, I've wronged somebody in my life um, I need to actually step away from the thing in front of me so that I can go work on reconciliation before I return to this. Mm -hmm. um, and again, like 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 the altar, like for me at least, was is 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 symbolic of that making like that space of making things right to be participants within the in the community. And so, if someone someone has something against you, you you can't fully participate in the community in a way that's healthy and whole and and bringing and bringing healing and wholeness to the community. And I, and I feel like, like that's the, I think for me, at least the first steps of it, because if we can begin to do that on an interpersonal level, then I think we can begin to do that on a societal level. If we have a framework that says, if someone has something against me, someone has something, then we can begin to say, if someone has something against us, then we, we you know, we, we, we can begin to, to see it beyond ourselves if, if we have that kind of a framework. But <laughs> when, when you have that notion, it, it also, put something at the point of repentance that Megan was alluding to earlier. The altar is always symbolic of our connection to the divine. And for ancient societies, it was the mechanism by which we keep society running well. If you don't do your sacrifices, society falls apart. Um, systems are upheld by our um, proper ritual sanctions, which is why we, we invented calendars to make sure our rituals were done at the time which the gods would find honoring. So, in Jesus' push on this, he said, you can't make things right with God. You can't go to the altar for your sin offerings, redemptive offerings, or any of those until you make things right with the people around you. And it actually puts the focus where we usually say, make things right with God, then make things right with people if you can. Where this one was, make things right with people, and if you can get around to it, get to the altar and make it right with God. Uh, yeah, just a quick thought, um, kind of on what both of you and Glenn were saying. Um, I, I think it's important to note uh, that our worship to God is um, so closely connected to what, how we are treating others based off of passages like that. And I think, um, especially if we look at the prophets in the Old Testament, that uh, God, part of our worship to God is the society that we allow to continue. Um, and I think in the Old Testament, you see that there were societies, unjust societies that were allowed to continue and to God that was um, inexcusable, uh, especially for his people. And so when we allow certain types of societies to continue, we are complicit in that and we are um, 
it deserves our repentance, I guess. Mm -hmm. And I, I would say, and just reflecting on this conversation, um, especially in light of, of Dr. King's letter, who's spoke to two people to repent, the BIPOC people who would say that um, there's no point in speaking up. He said, they've been stumbling blocks for me. And the white people who accepted superficial things that can pacify them. It's like, well, it's just need patience or it's not really a problem. You just make it a problem kind of moments that this notion of repentance gives us an invitation to push past complacency because you've been taught the system can't change or apathy because you don't want to give up some of your own position or recognize how you've benefited from the unchanging system and say that we have to sit with the other person and say, like Martin Luther King Jr. named ways to go forward. So it's not like people had to invent. Yeah. He said, here's how repentance could look. We start having justice reform in the courts. The police actually investigate the bombings in Birmingham. We do not have dogs sicked on peaceful protesters. Like he named acts of repentance. And that's what I think we need that movement towards away from complacency, away from apathy and to listen to ones being harmed who say, no, no, I got what you need to repent on. You just have to pause long enough to listen to me on where righteousness does not reach me. And I, I would just say, just like for me, just summing up kind of some thoughts is that for me, that repentance is always material, right? There's, it's like, you can't, if you, if, like, if we, if we walk past someone who in, in this, if we, uh, how do I put it, if we're unwilling to create room in this world for people, and then yet say like, you know, oh, but there's room in my father's house, you know, take that, you know what I mean? And it's some immaterial future. Um, that's, it's, it's utter, utter nonsense. Like repentance would be to say, I have to create room for you in this world mm -hmm. because I believe there's room in my father's house, right? Like, it, like that's would be the act of repentance to me. Yeah. Cause it's always material.